All right, ladies, good morning. We're gonna go ahead and get started. Um, two things before we start our disciplines review. First of all, there's um, prayer booklets out on the tables that Ellie has put out for us. If you do not have one, you will definitely need to pick one up today. Um, Sarah reminded us that there is a question this week in homework that you'll need this in order to answer. And there's a nice recap in here of today's lesson that Anne's going to give us. So if you'll want to get one of those. Um, also, we have a cleanup rotation list with instructions. So now we know exactly what to do. Hopefully we can still fit things in that box like Allie does when we put things away. And you'll know what week your, your group is helping with the cleanup. So I think that's it for announcements. Go ahead and take out your notebook, flip it over, and we'll start our review. And I thought I'm going to make you guys talk today. So <laughs> um, let's read our verse. You can look at the top or the bottom. We have Proverbs 4.23 there. Let's read it out loud together, just the verse, okay? Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Proverbs 4.23. Good job. Thanks. That was a little really loud. Is that okay, Allie? I don't know where Allie is. Oh, it wasn't on. Okay. Oh, okay. Now I feel like it's fine. That's fine. All right. Well, Proverbs 4.23 is a verse that puts in front of us the importance of diligently looking after and tending to our hearts. And again, this is not because we are guarding something pure and keeping it from being contaminated. We must take care of our inner person um, that is in a mixed condition. So this inner person has sin, but it also has the ability not to sin. So our new hearts have been freed from our previous slave master, which was sin, but we still have the temptation and the natural proclivity to sin. Therefore, God instructs us to look after, to examine, and to guide our inner person of the heart. That's what we see in Proverbs 4.23. All right, and I'll read the purpose for us. The purpose of Wellspring is to equip and encourage the women of Grace Bible Church to shepherd their hearts toward Jesus Christ with the Word of God so that they live gospel-transformed lives, thus strengthening the church in its gospel purpose. So one of the very important goals for this ministry is that each one of you leaves each meeting more equipped to shepherd your hearts toward Jesus with the word of God. You have resources to use in this notebook, from the Bible reading plan to prayers that are written out, and after this week you'll have your own prayer book as well. Um, and there's also in here a concordance, I think everybody has that, that lists the heart categories in scripture. So you have all these different verses that talk about the heart so that you know um, for certain what God says about our hearts. Um, your own notes and your homework can be helps for you so that you're equipped to diligently shepherd or tend to your inner person. Um, would someone like to read Discipline 1 out loud? A volunteer? Thank you. So faithful women of God shepherd their heart worshipfully toward God through the word of God and in particular the gospel. Thanks. So one of our homework questions this week asked us to share ways that we are um, trying or intentionally seeking to worship God in the way we meet with him. So it's going to be good for us to hear from each other how different people do that and put that into practice. 
I've been really helped personally by this book, The Valley of Vision. It's um, just a book of Puritan prayers. Um, this has helped me in my own time um, just praying. I've actually, even not just this book, but even um, from a friend, um, had her, she's written out prayers. And just seeing how she's written them out has just actually helped me with how I pray. But this book in particular, I'm going to close with reading a prayer out of here. It just helps me keep the gospel forefront. Um, it helps me see myself biblically, um, just my own natural condition. And it also, there's a lot of prayer of just being, um, asking God to help you to be a servant and a tool and a vessel um, for the rest of your days. Um, so anyway, that's just been really helpful. But I also came across a verse in my reading in the last couple weeks that made me think of D1. I'm trying to find that verse. Oh, Proverbs 94, no, Psalms 94, 12. Um, and I'm going to read 12 to 14. It says, Blessed is the man whom you chasten, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law, that you may grant him relief from the days of adversity until a pit is dug for the wicked, for the Lord will not abandon his people. So just the first part, verse 12, says that someone is blessed meaning someone is happy. And who is it? It's the man or woman that God chastens. That's interesting. And it's also the person that God teaches out of his law. The chastening and the teaching from God as your loving father is truly a joy and a blessing. We can expect to be blessed and to be happy when we are chastened by God in his word and taught by him in his word. The truth of Psalm 94 can be a motive for us to put our hearts before God's word every day. Discipline two, would someone like to read that? Thank you, Cameron. The faithful woman of God is concerned for those in her home. Okay, well the last two weeks since Sarah taught, I've had Sarah's words kind of going through my head, echoing around um, regarding specifically the work of the home not just being only physical and tangible work, but the hard and very important work of relationships. Over fall break, I was in someone's home who had this really pretty wall art hanging up, and it said, the most important work you will ever do is within the walls of your home. And I thought that was a neat verse for, she's a homeschool mom and has lots of kids and stays home. Anyway, it was just a, a sweet reminder for her it can be tempting to put more effort into the work outside our homes that maybe we get paid for or we receive respect for or acknowledgement for, but the work inside our homes um, doesn't usually end in pay and it may not be um, noticed necessarily, um, but it is important to God to be a worker at home. When we seek to make working at home a priority, we're obeying God and it pleases him. And it really is a privilege to bless the people in our home by loving, selflessly serving our husbands, children, parents, siblings, roommates, by shepherding little souls, by praying with and for those who are closest to us, pointing them to Christ's work on the cross, and speaking to them biblical truths about God and about life. And then would someone read Discipline 3? Thanks, Sarah. With a heart fixed on God and keeping her God-given ministry within her home a priority, the faithful woman of God steps into the church at every part of life to shepherd others toward God and the gospel. 
Okay. Well, next week we're going to have our first lesson that's devoted completely to Discipline 3. Um, we're going to take a survey of the Bible on the topic of how we are supposed to interact with each other in the body of Christ. It'll be really good. And I am going to share another verse that I came across um, the last probably month in my reading plan. And it talked about, it kind of summarizes the essence of Discipline 3, but in the negative. It's in Colossians. It's Colossians 2.19. And um, basically in this section, Paul is warning the Colossians about people who are fleshly that were coming in and kind of causing disruption, meaning they're not living according to the Spirit of God, but um, they're living according to their natural sinful ways. And this person, he says, was inflated without cause, meaning he was prideful. And, and listen to what he was not doing, he was not holding fast to the head from whom the entire body, being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments, grows with a growth which is from God. So this is someone that was not holding fast to the head and then um, not actually causing true growth in the body. So by implication, we can put it into the positive. And um, so those of us that have the spirit of God indwelling us, we must hold fast to the head who is the head of the body, and then we can be close to each other, connected, and see the growth that comes from God when we are doing that. And this growth is not a growth of numbers. You know, it's not about church growth, like make our church bigger, but it's a growth in being mature and being Christ-like, growing in that. All right, let me finish with the Valley of Vision prayer. I want to share this with you guys. This is, the one I picked is called Humility and Service. And I had to look up a word, and it was the word penury. I think it's penury. It looks like penitent, but penury. Anyway, it means extreme poverty and um, destitution. Okay, so there's some old words in here, but I think you'll get the gist of it. Mighty God, I humble myself for faculties misused, opportunities neglected, words ill-advised. I repent of my folly and inconsiderate ways, my broken resolutions, untrue service, my backsliding steps, my vain thoughts. Oh, bury my sins in the ocean of Jesus' blood, and let no evil result from my fretful temper, unseemly behavior, provoking pettiness. If by unkindness I have wounded or hurt another, do thou pour in the balm of heavenly consolation. If I have turned coldly from need, misery, grief, do not in just anger forsake me. If I have withheld relief, from penury and pain, do not withhold thy gracious bounty from me. If I have shunned those who have offended me, keep open the door of thy heart to my need. Fill me with an overflowing ocean of compassion, the reign of love, my motive, the law of love, my rule. O thou God of all grace, make me more thankful, more humble. Inspire me with a deep sense of my unworthiness, arising from the depravity of my nature, my omitted duties, my unimproved advantages, thy commands violated by me. With all my calls to gratitude and joy, may I remember that I have reason for sorrow and humiliation. O oh, give me repentance unto life. Cement my oneness with my blessed Lord, that faith may adhere to him more immovably, that love may entwine itself round him more tightly, that his spirit may pervade every fiber of my being. Then send me out to make him known to my fellow men. All right, Anne is going to come today, and she is teaching. This is going to be a really good lesson on shepherding our hearts. 
And for those of you, maybe some of those of you who are to our church, Anne is, her husband is Tom Angstead, and they have been at our church from the beginning. They have two um, adult daughters and five, five grandchildren, one granddaughter and the rest are boys. Anyway, here she is. Good morning, ladies. It's good to be here. Um, Well, let me pray, and then we'll go ahead and get started. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time you've given us, Lord, to meet, to look at your word, to look at how to shepherd our hearts. Father, thank you that we have a place to meet. Thank you that we're actually able to meet. You are a kind and good God, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Well, I taught this on Wednesday, so, and on Wednesday, I I was especially, I, I wanted to call Melissa and say, can we just cancel with all that has gone on at our church this last almost two weeks it's 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 been hard and I was like I I don't want to do this but God and after getting through the lesson I was like oh and I'll I'll share at the end if I remember the I'll connect the dots um so just know I know all of our hearts are heavy um when one part of the body hurts, the rest hurts. We weep with those who weep. And it's, it's been a time of tears. So, but we need to keep going. And so hopefully this lesson will help. Um, so some of the expressions that we hear a lot around here. Preach the gospel to yourself. God is sovereign. The doctrines of grace. This is one of mine. You can choose your sin, but you can't choose your consequences. Don't leapfrog over your heart into ministry. It is well with my soul. This was from when I was a little girl. As a non-believer, I would say this. When I am afraid, I put my trust in thee. That was one verse I knew. Um, And then the one we're talking about today is shepherd your heart. I think we've already heard that, I don't know, I didn't count, probably at least a couple times this morning. Um, So we hear these things, they get thrown out there. I know I throw them out there all the time. And sometimes, especially if you're new and haven't been around a long time, you may be wondering, Lord, what are these ladies talking about? What are the pastors talking about? Why shepherd your heart? And I know it's been explained in the last few lessons, but I get to really unpack it. I do believe that shepherding our heart and hearing about that and understanding it, it's part of the DNA at our church. (coughs) Discipline one says, and you've already heard it, you get to hear it again, the faithful woman of God shepherds her heart worshipfully toward God through the word of God, and in particular, the gospel. So when we hear shepherding my heart, 
sometimes what can come to mind is quiet time, spending time in God's word. But I want to break it down and look at some of the look at the definitions. So what's a shepherd? It's a person who tends herds, tends and guards sheep. And if you want to read a good book um, on my mind, I didn't bring it. Um, a shepherd looks at Psalm 23. Our small group ladies are going through it, and it actually helps you understand stuff that I'm a city girl. Well, I don't really like animals, so really <laughs> learning about sheep is kind of well. But it's been really, really helpful because we understand we're just like dumb sheep. So it's and that's been really helpful to realize. Mm, God knew what he was talking about when he gave those descriptions. Um, a shepherd is also a person who protects, guides, or watches over a person or a group of people. We can refer to our pastor elders as shepherds. It basically means to watch over carefully. Our heart. When we talk about our heart, when you hear that all the time, we are not talking about the part of our heart or our part of our body that a cardiologist looks at. We are talking about our inner man. It's not a piece of you. It includes our thoughts, our desires, our opinions, our emotions, our attitudes, our feelings. It's you. It's the control center of a human being. So if we put it together to shepherd our heart means to tend, guard, and watch over carefully my thoughts, my heart, my mind, my soul. It's to watch over me. Okay. Not in a selfish, icky way, but in a God-honoring way. So like I said, we're going to look at two different types of heart shepherding. We're really quickly going to look at that why do we open our Bibles? Um, the, the quiet time, um, that set time with a cup of coffee, which I haven't had yet, so I'm... <laughs> so anything I say that's wrong, just I didn't have coffee, that's why. Um, and please, if, if I do, just forget it and come tell me, okay? And then we're going to also look at the rest of the time, where we spend most of our time. Um, so why, and on your outline, why do I read my Bible? Why do I shepherd my heart with my Bible open? Well, as Scott Maxwell said, we come to the Word of God to meet with the God of the Word. And in your first week's homework, you looked at some verses talking about the importance of God's Word. Of God's word, and I wanted to just point out a couple of things from Psalm one nine, Psalm nineteen, which Psalm nineteen is shorthand to me. It's not technical, but it's my shorthand verse of Psalm one nineteen. So, I just want to share a few verses from there just to encourage you about the importance of God's word. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Wow. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. 
The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. That's just a few verses from Psalm 19 talking about God's word. normally don't talk that much in the morning till I get going so this is like yeah. so <clears throat> if I sound froggy I apologize so why do I come before the Lord with my Bible open why do we do that number one to grow in my knowledge of God and to know his will You have seven things you're going to cram into that little spot. I need, so I'm just forewarning you. But everything says grow, so you can shorthand there. It's grow in expressing my love for God. It's to grow in my enjoyment and delight for God. To grow in my fear and reverence of God. To grow in my understanding of my need for God. To grow in my relationship with the Lord. To grow in holiness and maturity. And that's not an exhaustive list. Those are just a few things of why, why we spend time in God's word. John 17.3 says, And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So knowing God is important, and the way we will know him is in being in his word. So the time that we spend in God's word builds that foundation for the rest of the time. And as you know, there's tons of different methods for spending time with the Lord. There's probably as many ladies in here, different reading plans that you're following. Okay? That's the principle. Spend time in God's word. Worshipfully spend time with the Lord in his word. I want to look today, though, at where we're living life where we're working, where we're taking care of our children, our homes, where we're shopping, cleaning, driving, where we spend most of the time. And that's the time that we talk to ourselves, and that can be the time that we get in trouble. That's where our thoughts can run wild. This is where we can find ourselves, as Sarah Demarest shared last time, not being sensible. And I loved the expression, it's running to the edges. And when you find yourself running to the edges where you don't belong, a lot of it has to do with your thought life. We want to be sensible. We want to be not easily moved off center. We want to be self-controlled. So my hope is that I'll give some tools today that may help you with being sensible and staying self-controlled, staying centered with your thoughts. So we're going to look at two different diagrams, and you should have, have it in your handout. 
Um, and this is a picture of what it looks like when your thoughts are running wild and when you're shepherding your heart. Um, and it's important to remember, God cares about our thoughts. Proverbs 15, 26 says, the Lord detests the thoughts of the wicked, but those of the pure are pleasing to him. God loves the thoughts of his kids. Praise the Lord. But I don't want to have impure thoughts. I don't want to have wicked thoughts. Charles Bridges' commentary on this verse says, How lightly do most men and women think of the responsibility of their thoughts, as if they were their own and they might indulge them without restraint or evil. God cares about our thoughts. So if you look at the diagram, the first one shows what happens when I'm listening to myself, my thoughts, and my reasoning. It's wrong thinking, and it's a downward spiral. It's I desire, I deserve, and then I demand, shaking my fist at God. So the definition of a desire is to want something, to long or hope for. And we have desires. God has given us desires. Not all desires are evil. Just having a desire, we wouldn't do anything if we didn't have desires. But how can I tell, okay, is this desire I have evil or is it, is it okay? Is it godly? Well, if I want something more than I want God, or I'm willing to disobey God to get it, then I know that desire is evil. There's some things that we just right off the bat, we know are evil, we know they're sinful, and God's word teaches us that it's always sinful to desire something God forbids. So if God forbids it, you don't want to desire it. You're in trouble if you do. Um, so if something is clearly sinful, it needs to be immediately repented of. And we need to change, and we need to flee from the sin. But where I think we can get in the most trouble is those neutral desires. That's where we can get tripped up. It might be, I desire a different house, a different car. I want more grandchildren. I want to be married. I want, um, you know, to be respected. I want to be well thought of. There can, the list can go on and on. And it can start when we're really little, where we have things that we want and we're always chasing after something. Now, none of those things I mentioned, like a house, a car, being married, having children, having grandchildren. None of those things are sinful in and of themselves. It can become sin, though, if I want it at all costs, and I will grumble and complain and let God know that I'm not happy that I didn't get it. And I might even sin to make something happen. That, we don't want to do that. That's having the wrong desire. And then from a desire we can move to, well, I deserve. I think God owes me. Hey, I was, I've been at church every week and I put money in the offering box every week. God, you owe me. No. Um, 
we can think we deserve an awful lot and we forget what we truly deserve. And then it turns, that, that desire turns from I deserve it to now I'm demanding it. And we're demanding God do what we want him to do. So if you look on this, on the orange downward spiral, it's kind of like, I call it a symptom checker. You can look and you can kind of evaluate how you're doing. So some of the attitudes that you may see if you're in that place of demanding something from God, thinking you deserve something from God, you may be prideful or arrogant. You may be wise in your own estimation. I may be without peace. I can be bitter. <coughs> bitter. I can love pleasure and comfort. You might see anger, anxiousness. You might be ungrateful, envious, or jealous. Hopeless. And then the actions that you may see on the other side, demanding, loving self. And I will just put in a little side note. The Bible does not tell us we need to love ourselves. In fact, in the last days, <clears throat> 2 Timothy 3.2 says, for, all, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, and it goes on and on. It's loving yourself is not something we're told to do. We automatically do that. We're told to love our neighbor as ourselves. We're to love somebody else. The Bible assumes, God assumes, God knows we already love ourselves. And we're in a culture, it, it started when I was a kid, that you've got to love yourself. And that is, that's a lie from the pit. So. On that, um, boasting, grumbling, um, grumbling and complaining is a serious sin. Fighting and devouring, disputing, criticizing and judging, being prayerless, not asking the Lord. Those those actions, including, I almost missed you, withdrawing, and I do want to read a verse on that. Proverbs 18.1 says, he who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. Oftentimes when somebody is living in this orange spiral and is demanding from God, you'll see them withdraw you may see yourself withdraw. If you find yourself in that place, you need, you need to reach out to somebody. You need to do exactly the thing you don't want to do, is reach out and ask for help. Um, and I want to say that these action, attitudes and actions, they are not the marks of, of a believer. When you see these things, that is not what a believer's life should look like. If you find yourself in that place, check up on yourself, maybe talk to somebody. 
And now I want to give the next caution. There's going to be somebody in here maybe that's going to go, feeling really bitter today. Maybe I'm not a believer. That's what Ann said. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> but, but, don't, if you find yourself in a pattern in here, please talk to somebody. But don't just automatically, I sinned once, that means I'm not his. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, <clears throat> Okay, so now I want to look at what I call the pretty spiral because it's blue and purple and green, favorite colors. I was so glad it worked out that way. Um, <laughs> so shepherding my hearts, my thoughts, my reasoning, right thinking, it's an upward spiral. You might start down here, but you work your way up, whereas the other one you start and you, you're disappointed, discouraged, despairing. It's a downward spiral. But we're, we're going to look at what it should look like. So I desire plus what I truly deserve equals no demand. So what I desire, it can be some of those things on that list. But I'm holding it with an open hand before the Lord, seeking his will. And remember, if it's a sinful desire, Get it out of your life. Repent. You don't want to mess around with it. So then, understanding what I deserve. Well, what does scripture say I deserve? It says we deserve wrath. Romans 2, 5, and 6. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will give to each person according to what he has done. Non-believers deserve wrath. Okay. I promise I am not sick. I do this every morning and it's early. Okay. Um, so Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's word tells us we deserve wrath and we deserve death. So having a biblical understanding of what I truly deserve will help me to think rightly. And from, I'm going to read from the Greener Grass Conspiracy which is a book that is now out of print. However, I have the PDF from Sarah Demareth that we can share. So if it's a book you would like, let me know. I, as you can tell, it's marked, it's tattered, it's torn. I think it's, it's, a, it's a good book, book, and I would be glad to send it to you. Um, so again, what we truly deserve. Do you see how the gospel should obliterate complaining? Complaining is almost always rooted in a faulty sense of rights and privileges. Each of us has a lengthy list of things that we think we deserve. When life starts to short circuit and we don't get what we deserve, we start complaining. We imagine ourselves as the injured party who has every right to complain. 
But the gospel makes it very clear that the only thing we truly deserve is hell. God created us, and therefore he owns us. As created, dependent beings, we owe him complete, unwavering allegiance and obedience. So we make our requests made known to God with an open hand, understanding that what we deserve is wrath and death. <clears throat> we make no demands. So what kind of attitudes will I see when I'm shepherding my heart throughout the day, thinking rightly about my desires and what I deserve? So on the blue, we'll see that I'm submissive and I'm content. And godly contentment has to be more than being thankful you're better off than someone else. True contentment comes by comparing what we have to what our sins deserve. That means we find our contentment in the gospel. And that's a quote from Dave Harvey. It's not seeking my own way. It's not being wise in my own estimation. It's being humble, peaceable, joyful, self-controlled, not running to the edges, enduring, strengthened, and trusting. And the actions you'll see, and if that you start at the bottom and work your way up, it's asking God. It's making my request known to God. It's being devoted to prayer. It's being loving and kind and gentle and thankful. Forgiving, patient, not vengeful. Overcoming evil with good. And as we're shepherding our hearts throughout the day, we will make our requests known to God. We'll walk in obedience, being thankful, not grumbling or complaining. And, and you'll see, you make your requests, you're obedient, and you're hopeful. We'll believe and know that God is good. We'll trust his sovereignty. We'll believe that he will work together all things for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So how do we shepherd our hearts throughout the day? I've taken a look at the big picture, the symptom checker of how to evaluate our attitudes and actions. And I do want to point out something. On every one of these attitudes and actions on both spirals, there are a ton of verses. You can take some time and look them all up. I did not take time today and read through all of them. Um, but I, I just wanted to make sure you know that you'll find these in Scripture. Read the context. Um, but I think that will be helpful. So now I want to give some suggestions of how to shepherd your heart throughout the day, how to be sensible, how to not run to the edges, how to guard our hearts, how to glorify God. Um, two verses, 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And I find it interesting that it's, he talks about eat or drink. He doesn't say when you're, you know, 
You can glorify God when you stand and teach at Wellspring. You can glorify God when you're singing in church. No, he, he doesn't say you have to do activities that are anything but what we do, eat and drink, usually three times a day at least. It is something we do over and over. In everything do we do, we can glorify God. And then 2 Corinthians 5.9 says, So whether we are at home or we're away, we make it our aim to please Him. That should be, we've got a goal, to glorify God and to please Him. And here, these two verses put together, Dr. Charles Hodges says, I want to glorify God in my life more than I want to breathe. When I heard him say that, I went, oh, I want that. I want to glorify God in my life more than I want to breathe. So a little side note before we get to the numbers. I want to encourage you to consider how are you doing physically? Have you had enough sleep? Are you getting enough exercise? Are you eating well? If you're just eating ho-hos and <laughs> ding-dongs and, you know, those huge uh, slurpy things, well, don't be surprised. It's, it's going to mess you up. Um, sometimes we think that our outer man, our physical body, has no impact on our spiritual well-being. And it's not to make an excuse, but sometimes making some adjust, adjustments there can really help our inner man, can help our soul. I know for me, it's harder to obey God if I have a migraine or if my back's out or, you know, if I'm just not feeling well. It's, or if when I'm tired, 10 o'clock at night, it's like, I do have to just keep my mouth shut because sometimes what comes out isn't very nice. Um, so we need to understand that for ourselves. But then really importantly, we need to understand that with the other people in our homes, the other people that are around us. If your child or your spouse or somebody in your home is, is struggling and they have a slamming headache or you know that they didn't sleep well the night before, that's, that's a time you want to give them the same grace you would want. And then another thing to consider is what are you filling your mind with? Music, TV, movies, books, magazines, internet news. Um, so if you struggle with fear, worry, and anxiety, are you watching horror movies or scary movies or reading scary books? Evaluate your own life. Some, some people can watch the scary movies and they're just fine. And then there's others, you better not. So just evaluate. Don't make the fight harder than it already is. Um, so what are some things to actually do? throughout the day to shepherd your heart. The first thing on the list is to pray. Psalm 139, 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And if there is any wicked way in me, 
and lead me in the way everlasting. And Janet mentioned the prayer book. That's a great tool. The Valley of Vision, another great tool. Um, so I pray. Ask the Lord. He, he loves to hear from his children. Number two <clears throat> is ponder. Ponder the attributes of God. And Psalm 103, which if you were at Caleb's service and the Sunday service the two days before, um, they read Psalm 103. And I know Psalm 103 has been a huge comfort to the Kelso family. Um, let me read part of it. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, well, maybe I will. You know what? I will. It's God's word. It's way better than anything I say. So we're gonna we're just we're gonna hear Psalm 103 again. This is I have it printed out from the NASB. Um, I was gonna say one more thing. I'm gone. Okay, a Psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in, is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the son of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more, and its place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all of you his hosts, you who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his, 
in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Those in that verse, there are so many attributes of God. Ponder the attributes of God. If you are struggling, or if you're not, ponder the attributes of God because our God is good and he is faithful. This um, A.W. Pink's The Attributes of God is an excellent resource. <clears throat> you may want to get a copy of that. And actually, I think that's a public domain book that you can get for free. So you just write in Attributes of God by A.W. Pink and you'll get, you'll get it. Um, and it, our small group has been going through it. It's been so good so encouraging to get to know our God even more. Um, just on your notes, you may want another psalm to go to is Psalm 145 has a lot of the attributes of God. So those are, those are two psalms. If you're struggling, you can go there and see who God is. Okay, now you're still in number two, ponder truth. So you're pondering the attributes of God and you're pondering truth. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Dwell, think on those things. Um, then the third thing under number two still is ponder your identity in Christ. Paul Tripp says, when you forget who you are in Christ, you quit pursuing what belongs to you in Christ. And I want to recommend um, from August 31st, 2014, Smed did a message, I believe it was called One New Man, and he went through, and I think there's like five pages of the Christian's identity in Christ. And you can print this list off and keep it in your Bible. I would recommend that. I just want to read a few from the list. Um, well, let me ask this first. Who was there when Smed taught that message, One New Man? Okay, there were quite a few of us. Okay, so Smed read, uh, and I'm just going to read like five. But he read, and you can see it's, it's like 18-year-old print. It's not for people my age. Um, it, it's this many pages. This is who we are in Christ. And he read this. And by the time he was done after reading all this, it was like... We met at Valley Christian. We were in the gym. And it was like we wanted to get up and cheer because it was so good to hear. This is who we are in Christ. I'm just going to read a few. Slave of God, uncondemnable, uncondemnable, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, sons of God, adopted, heirs of God, foreknown, God's elect, interceded for by Christ, loved greatly by God, saved by grace, God's workmanship. I mean, and it keeps going. 
We're represented by Jesus. We're beloved. We're heirs of promises. And yes, I'm reading more than five, but that's okay. We're the chosen race, the royal priesthood, the holy nation, people for God's own possession, beloved in the Father, kept for Jesus Christ in the love of God, preserved to stand in God's presence, blameless, with great joy. Amen. It was so encouraging to remember. This is who we are in Christ. This, every one of these has the verse with it. If you're in a hard place, this, and you're feeling like, man, who am I in Christ? I don't know. Get this. So it's August 31st, 2014. Go on the website. If you can't find it, Allie can help you, or I can. Um, and I'd encourage you, keep it in your Bible. Um, number three. Now we're actually on number three. The promises. From the Greener Grass Conspiracy, he says, The promises of God are our weapons in the battle against discontentment and wrong thinking. For every temptation to be content, discontent, there's a promise of God that meets that temptation. The abundant grace of God promised in the scriptures far exceeds any circumstance we encounter. But if we're going to fight discontentment effectively, we need to stockpile our weapons. When temptation strikes, we need to have go-to promises to sustain and strengthen us. There should be pages in our Bible that are tattered and torn from constant use. And I just want to read a few of the promises. Um, 2 Peter 1, 2 through 4. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that, here's the promise, his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. 1 Corinthians 10.13 is another promise. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. And here's a huge part of the promise. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation... He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Romans 8, 28 and 29. And we know, we know this, that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. That 
is a promise and there are times it's sometimes hard to believe that promise when hard hard things happen sometimes we we we're wondering wow how does that work I don't know I can't always tell you but I can tell you God works together for good he does that First uh, John 1 9 if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness Galatians 6 9 and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up James 1 5 if any of you lacks wisdom well hello sign me up I lack wisdom what do I do let her ask God who gives generously I mean this is like packed full of promises God gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him we just need to ask there that's like this many of the Bible's promises the Bible is chock full of promises make a list be ready to know, oh, I've sinned. Oh, but you know what? If I confess my sin, God is faithful. We need to have these promises ready. Sometimes we, we may be in a situation where our Bible's not right there. We need, we need to have go-to promises. I may not be able to perfectly get it out. It's, the older I get, the more jumbly it gets. But I've got the gist of it. I know, I know that God works together all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I may get it jumbled up, but I know the truth of it, and then I can go check it with my Bible and make sure I've got it right. Um, memorize scripture. Do it when things are going well, because, you know, at, at the moment when accident happens when that phone rings and you get really bad news that's not the time to start memorizing scripture the time is is now or really before now depending how old you are um, okay so that's enough of that lecture okay number four on your sheet is people okay so people from the past, we can spend time studying heroes of the faith, Joseph, Job, Paul, Jesus. That's just a few. Read Hebrews 11 and 12, 1 Peter. Those are places to go to read about people from the past. And then there's people from the present. We've got heroes, and your name is on my paper, Cameron Dodd. And Susanna Dodd um, we have heroes that right now watching Cameron live her life it's been three years since that to be with the Lord but we've gotten to watch Cameron walk faithfully and steadily we've seen Cameron cry it's okay right but we've seen her laugh and we've seen her keep going we can we can grab on to her faith. 
what God has done for Cameron, he does for his kids. What he has done for Susanna, he does for his kids. So pay attention. Um, you know, we have Jacob Hantla. We've watched Jacob and Kiki go through so much. We've watched Josh and Julie go through so much. But you know what? We've, what have we seen in that? What have we seen as we've seen difficult things? We have seen our God meet their needs in ways. We may have been the hands to help. You know, I saw how much food was brought to the church on Tuesday for, for Caleb's memorial service. That was the, the hands and feet, okay? But we've seen our God provide over and over and over again. So it's watch other people, okay? We need each other. We need believers at close range. We need fellowship. That's why our church makes such a big deal about being in a small group. If you're not in a small group, I want to encourage you, check it out. I understand there are seasons, there are times people can't be in a small group, and I'm not going to beat you up over that. However, it is a ministry, and it's, it's one of the means of grace that God has given. Um, so we, we need each other. And I love this little verse in Scripture that just kind of talks about this. 2 Corinthians 7, 5 through 7. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God who comforts the downcast, now listen to this. How did he comfort them? Comforted us by the coming of Titus. He sent a human being, okay? So sometimes we're maybe we're the coming of Titus, maybe making that phone call to somebody that you maybe know is hurting, sending a text, writing a note. Um, we can comfort each other. We can do that. Um, but God comforts the downcast, and he comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me so that I rejoice still more. God uses means, and sometimes we're that means. Number five. Okay. Preach. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. God saves sinners. That's the gospel. Remember, God not only saves us, but he sanctifies us. He makes us more like Jesus. Jerry Bridges says, For the Christian, your worst days are never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace. And your best days are never so good that you are beyond the need of God's grace. That's the gospel. We need God's grace on our good days and on our bad days. I want to recommend another book, The Gospel Primer or Primer. Primer is paint. This is really a primer, but <laughs> I like to call it primer. But um, 
This, this is just another good tool. Milton Vincent, I think it, his name's recorded. I think his name sounds like an old dead guy, but he's not. He's a very young, he's younger than I am, I'm pretty sure. Um, but, but this is just a super helpful book to, to remind you of the gospel. And we do need the gospel every day. Okay, number six, the Psalms. Go to the Psalms. They are full of who God is, how to talk to him, his promises. There are wonderful examples of how to pour your heart out to the Lord. And no, I do not get a commission from Omri at the book table, but I want to recommend another book. Um, this is called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. And this is Discovering the Grace of Lament. And he goes through some of the lament psalms, like Psalm 13, and, and talks about how, how can, can I appropriately cry out to the Lord when I don't understand what's going on? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You have to be careful because you can end up shaking your fist at God. But he gives some really helpful insight on how to do that. Psalm 13 is one of those places to go um, in Scripture. It's one of my favorites, and I am going to take time to read it. Um, Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Wow, that doesn't sound like what we say very often. How long will you hide your face from me? Wow. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? This is the psalmist crying out to the Lord. I know there's times my prayers can sound like that. Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. Wow. That's a heart cry. But, verse 5 says, But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. That is a pattern um, for crying out to the Lord. So it is, it is okay to cry out to the Lord. We are allowed to do that. And I think that the, the dark clouds, deep mercy, gives, gives some, some guidelines and some help to that. Um, number seven, praise, singing, and worship. If you were here Sunday after service or at Caleb's memorial service, we sang and we cried. But you know what? That was balm to the soul. Um, praising God for who he is. And some of you, if, if you've been in Wellspring before, you have the songbook. 
the newer people haven't gotten their songbooks yet, have they? Oh, you got it. Oh, okay. So they do. So, so you have a songbook. You may not sing, but you can read. You can read those songs out loud. Um, singing is one of those things. I think God gave us. That's a gift He gave us. Um, if you're struggling with your thoughts, singing out loud is huge. And again, I get the words messed up. I mean, I who's been in there on Sunday when the words aren't up and it's like, hmm, do I know those words? Well, I'm making them up, but you know what? I'm praising the Lord. I'm doing my best. Yeah, that's, that's always interesting when that happens. It's like, oh boy, I feel bad right now. And then there's times I actually do know the words and I'm so excited. I'm like, like, Anne, you are so smart. Mm, yeah, watch out. Um, but I will tell you, if, if you're downcast, crank it up and sing to the Lord. Um, we have Spotify um, that Josh has put together. The songs that we sing here, you can get it for free. It's an app, right? Is it an app? It was. Um, I don't know, whatever. I have it on my phone, and I know how to do it, okay? But you know what? Sing to the Lord, and it will, it, it, it is, it, that is good medicine. Um, Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, I did not sing Psalm 13, and you're glad about that, and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. It is really, when you are singing, it is hard to stay angry. It's hard to stay unforgiving. It helps bitterness. So I just want to really encourage you with that um, and use the songbook. Read 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 those songs and it will help you um, number eight perspective keep eternity in view Colossians 3 1 and 2 therefore if you have been raised up with Christ keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God set your mind on things above not on the things that are on the earth Again, from the Greener Grass Conspiracy, he says, Through Christ who strengthens us, we can be content in our loneliness and disjointed relationships. But our longings for relationships should also remind us that this world is not our final resting place. In Christ, we can be truly content while on this earth, but we'll never be fully satisfied. The day of total complete and ultimate satisfaction is still coming. The day we see Jesus face to face and look into the eyes of our Savior, we'll say, now I'm truly satisfied. Josh Kelso said, after knowing that his son had died, the deepest sorrow under God's grace is sweeter 
than the greatest joys under his wrath. Great is his faithfulness. Knowing our God, having the right perspective is what you need. Um, two other verses you may want to jot down for persp under perspective is John 14, 1 and 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Um, and you can look those up later. Number nine is provision. Think about this. God is our provider. He provides us with a relationship with his son. He provides us with the Holy Spirit. He's provided us with God's word and his saving and enabling grace in order for us to respond in a godly fashion. Second Peter 1, 3, I'll read it again. I read it earlier. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. God is a good God and he has provided for us. Number 10 is prepare. All of us at some time or other can find ourselves swirling around in the orange spiral, battling our thoughts. It can be circumstances that come our way that are difficult. We need to prepare. We need to prepare now. Like I said, the time to prepare isn't when the phone rings and you get bad news. Um, we need to prepare. We may need to say something like, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. There's times it's hard. I, I get it. Life can be hard. Praise the Lord, this is not all there is. That's perspective. Um, hard is hard. Hard is not bad. But this isn't all there is. And that quote, the hard, hard is hard, hard is not bad, comes from um, Dark Cloud, Deep Mercy. But he didn't add the, this is not all there is. I added that because, man, I am so thankful this is not all there is. Heaven is our home. But we need to prepare. We need, we need to be ready. When things are going well, be thankful and spend that time knowing God deeper and deeper, better and better, so that the, when those storms come, and they will, you're prepared. And ladies, this wellspring is part of the preparation process. Being at church on Sundays is part of the preparation process. Reading your Bible, spending time in God's Word, that is part of the preparation process. You want to do that. Being in a small group, take advantage of the means of grace that God has given us. Um, memorizing God's Word, that is part of the preparation pro process. We need to have places in our Bible to go to, like Psalm 13 is a place that I go. We, we need to know 
um, a lot of times I will tell somebody, go read Romans 8. You will be encouraged. Um, we, need, we need to do that. Um, and remember, ladies, we're not just, just gutting it out on our own. God has given us his Holy Spirit. He lives within the believer, and he helps us, and he brings those truths to mind. But, you know, we do have a responsibility to put some things in there. Um, number 11 is practice, press on, persevere. Three more Ps, but all under number 11. So practice, press on, and persevere. And we do this by God's grace. Again, it, I'm not advocating just go read your Bible, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. This is all by God's grace. Anything we can do is by God's grace. But we do need to do our part. We do need to open our Bibles. We do need to practice. We need to press on and we need to persevere. Um, Philippians 4.8 says, and I read this before, but I'm going to read it again. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, this is Paul talking, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. We need to practice. Okay, and then two other verses just to write down. First Timothy 3, 15. I'm looking at my notes. Oh, okay, 15 and 16, and then Philippians 3, 7, all the way through 14. Those are two more verses you can, or areas in scripture you can look at. We need to sometimes just do the next right thing. If you're in an extremely difficult situation or time in your life, your life may consist of just doing the next right thing and the next right thing and the next right thing. Spurgeon said, the very best thing in the world when you are nervous and troubled is to live by very short periods. Live by the day. Or better still, live moment by moment. The Wellspring verse, Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Then the verses that follow give some, some guidelines. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far, far from your lips. Verse 25, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the left, to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. Those are some guidelines. Um, I'll read through the 11 P's really quickly in case somebody missed it. Pray, ponder the attributes of God truth, identity in Christ, the promises, people from the past, present, 
preach the gospel to yourself daily. I like to call it the Psalms, so it actually has a P. Praise, perspective, provision, prepare, practice, persevere, and press on. Oppressive. <laughs> um, again, our goal as we shepherd our hearts throughout the day must be to glorify God in everything we do. I want to glorify God in my life more than I want to breathe. And the the last thing I want to share, I just, as, as I told you when I started, I kind of was like, oh, I'm really uncomfortable getting up here today um, just because it's been it's been hard but then I kind of looked back and I went whoa wait a minute God you really timed this actually pretty well because those 11 things we pretty much the last two weeks we can look back and go oh we prayed we pondered we heard about the attributes of God it was read to us different you know on Sunday and on Tuesday the promises we heard promises people when we've been watching we heard them preach the gospel Matt Kelso preached the gospel to us the Psalms we heard the Psalms we praised we sang we worshiped perspective I know this has adjusted people's perspective I when, when something happens, like with Caleb, doesn't it make everything, like the thing that you thought was ginormous, just shrink into perspective? Provision. We saw God provide. Prepare. Okay. Josh and Julie, they were prepared. They, they, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying this hasn't been hard, but they have, their life has been prepared. And I know they've gone through other things. I know they can look, they've looked back and they've seen God's faithfulness and practice, persevere and press on. We're seeing them do that. So, thank you for letting me be here. I. I just really strongly do want to encourage everyone. We do need to prepare because life is hard. And, and sometimes, you know, it doesn't have to be the ginormous thing that throws you off the rail. Sometimes it can be something that when you maybe get a year away from it or five years, or maybe, maybe it's going to take you your whole life. And you may look back and go, wow, I can't believe that one threw me. I know I have those things in my life where I can look back and go, oh, you dumb woman. <laughs> but those things can, can really throw us too. And, and I, I know going through hard things, there are times where I can get through that really big thing and then something minor happens, like, well, this happened during the time when my mom was dying. We could not get out of our front door because it was one of those screens with the double lock and it wouldn't open. And I'm like, 
Lord, really? <laughs> what? We can't get out of our house? Well, we could get out, but not through the front door. I mean, that was, and it was like, I was really kind of rattled by that. It's like, that can happen, but ladies, prepare. So let me pray. Lord, thank you for being our God. Thank you for being a good God. Lord, thank you that you do provide for us. Thank you that you have given us your word, that we may know you, that we do have places we can go, and you comfort us. You comfort the downcast and the brokenhearted. You love your people, and you care for us so well. Lord, forgive me, forgive us when we grumble and complain. Lord, how, how can we do that? And you have cared for us so well and loved us so much. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen.